You are Locked On Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back here to a brand new episode of Locked On Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast here on the Locked On NFL Network, your team every day. The Broncos have cut the roster from 90 to 85. Some surprise moves, we break it down, plus some insight from Broncos head coach Vic Fangio as to what the realm will be for starters this week against Seattle Seahawks, plus Tim Jenkins of Jenkins Elite. He's going to join us to break down the Broncos quarterback performance from Saturday's preseason game. I'm Cody Rourke, Broncos analyst for the Locked On Network and Nine News. Joined alongside Sarah Bettinger, also a Broncos analyst for the Locked On Network and Nine News, also site expert, predominantly orange.com. Sarah, obviously a lot to break down. We have a really star-packed show here with Tim Jenkins joining us, but uh, hey, let's get into some news and notes here to start off the episode, man. You know, the Broncos making that cut from 90 to 85 and some surprise moves. And the Broncos placed Levante Bellamy, Devontres mm-hmm. Dukes, and Deion Sizer with the waived slash injured designation. And then on the other hand, they go through and they get Rogesterman Ferris, Peter Columbayi, as we talked about, and Lorenzo Neal Jr. on the waived list. Any surprises here? You know, I definitely think, Cody, you know, you and I talked about the Rogesterman, the roster man, you know, and yeah, he had a couple picks to open up his stint with the Broncos and things were looking up. But I guess, you know, they just decided maybe some guys are getting healthy. Yeah, I know Nate Harrison had the interception in, in joint practices with the Vikings and then he played quite a bit against the Vikings. So maybe they just decided, hey, that's kind of our guy for right now as the cornerback six. So we'll see what happens there. But, uh, you know, definitely a little bit surprising to see Devontres Dukes on the list. I think we shouted him out on a previous show after yeah. having some really nice, you know, a nice stretch of practices. It wasn't just like, oh, man, he had this one really good practice against the Vikings. No, he kind of strung together a, a few practices that were really nice and and kept on making his name known, you know, throughout, you know, no matter who was throwing him the passes, whether it was Drew Locke, Teddy Bridgewater, Brett Rippon, you know, Devontris Dukes did a good job. So I'd say for me, honestly, he's the most surprising. I think a lot of people will automatically look at Levante Bellamy and say, that's a surprising one. But look, Demarie Crockett already surpassed him on the depth chart. He was the last running back on the depth chart. So, I mean, that wasn't overly surprising considering, like you mentioned, You know, he had gotten carted off the field in that Vikings game. So if the injury is a little bit longer term, I think the Broncos maybe try to stash those guys that were given the waived injured designation, stash them on IR, keep them in the building for another year, get them another shot next training camp. Because year to year, Cody, like you know, we never know what's going to happen. You never know the guy (laughs) that you stash on IR in 2021 is going to be, you know, your your wide receiver four or five in 2022. So you just never know how that's going to work out and how those guys are going to come back. But ultimately, overall, I would say, Probably no real big surprises. But I mean, obviously going back and looking at it, I think we both talked about Peter Columbay. Obviously a few missed tackles against the Vikings that probably led to that. And just the weird numbers too that, uh, you know, those guys had as linebackers. It was so weird seeing 62, 61, 63 there. It's so different. I do like the single-digit numbers, though, that we're seeing with a lot of defensive players. I love it. Uh, but in, in terms that. of that, too, I wanted to provide some clarity for Broncos fans. Anytime you see on the waiver wire a player that has the waived or injured designation slash, it means that those players have to clear waivers. And if they do, the Broncos at that point could place those players on injured reserve, which gives them claim to them for another year. Or they have five days to come to terms with that player on an injury settlement 
for the time that they would have been on the roster. So something to keep an eye on. I think Bellamy's probably going to go on injured reserve from the sounds of what Vic Fangio had said is that his injury is probably a little bit more severe. It's going to be out probably a little bit longer than, you know, a guy like Mike Boone uh, or anybody else. So obviously our thoughts and well wishes are with Levante, very explosive athlete. Devontrez Dukes, like I said, Hey, going back to it, Sarah, I think you make a great point. He could be one of those great guys you can stash on your roster because you just never, never truly know as Tim Patrick's still dealing with a groin injury uh, for that matter there. But in terms of some other Broncos news and notes, Sarah, obviously congratulations to Von Miller on the birth of his son, Valor. Obviously, that's something he's been super excited about. wonder if it's going to give him a little bit of extra chip on his shoulder. I know his legacy is so important to him. He's talked about another five to seven years. And, and look, if he could play at a high level, man, I'd love to see Von in Denver for that time frame. I think anybody would. It'd be a very long career stretch for a defensive player with one team. Uh, outside of that, interesting notes by Broncos head coach Vic Fangio mentioning that probably based on health alone, a good portion of starters will play on Saturday. What are you excited about seeing? You know, I'm really excited to see Cortland Sutton get out there at some point. I know that, you know, it's it's often, you know, in, in our forums, and our formats, the things that we do with writing or podcasts, it's easy for the big name players sometimes to get overlooked just because you feel like you talk about them so much. We write about them so much. You know, they get brought up on Twitter so much. But really, really excited to see Cortland Sutton get back out there. It's been too long. Even in the Steelers game last year, it felt like that was just kind of a blip on the radar, right? Like he missed the Tennessee game to open the season. And then he was out there for what felt like just a handful of snaps again. So really excited to see him play. And another guy that returned to practice, Cody, that may not be in the starting lineup, but a guy that I'm really looking forward to seeing play. And I think contributed to the fact of Callum Bayi getting cut is Baron Browning coming off the PUP. So yep. really, really pumped to see him. I don't care if he's lining up, you know, next to Justin Cernod. I don't care if he's lining up off the edge opposite Jonathan Cooper. I don't care where they put him. I want to see Baron Browning big time. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. And, and it's important that you mention that too, because obviously coming off PUP list, lower leg injury, and, and being one of those guys that Vic had said, hey, look, you're behind and we need you to catch up because he only had two days worth of snaps. And Vic said, in those two days of practice, we only ran 22 total plays. So really for Baron Browning, he, he's behind in the sense of actually getting those on-field reps. Now he moves really well in general. So I wonder how much of an adjustment period it'll be for him. I don't think we're going to see him this Saturday, potentially against the Rams. We might see him, but then again, I mean, Vic would be like, Hey, you got to go out there. When we talk about trial by fire, he's your third round pick. I don't think you have to put him in that situation right now, considering that. So I think more opportunities for obviously Justin Sternod, who's looked really well so far in early action. And then for Josh Watson, have a bounce back week, but Josie Jewell also returned to practice. You have Alexander Johnson. I imagine if those guys are fine, we're going to see both those guys start on Saturday against the Seahawks. So I'm looking forward to it. Obviously, 8 p.m. Mountain Time kickoff is going to be such a brutal time frame <laughs> for our East Coast Broncos fans. I know, Sarah, it's going to be 9 o'clock your time when the game kicks off. We're going to have a post-game report for you, Broncos country. Bear with us. It'll be up Sunday morning for you. Uh, but Sarah and I are going to take care of that for all of you guys here on the Lockdown Broncos podcast. But with that said, coming up here in just a moment, we're going to get into our interview with Tim Jenkins, CEO of Jenkins Elite. Does a lot of great film breakdowns on his YouTube channel regarding quarterback positions. Drew Locke, Teddy Bridgewater, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields. He's gone through. He's done all that. So we're going to talk with him about where Drew was, where Teddy was, and maybe what these quarterbacks need to do to improve and keep building on what they're able to do against Minnesota. But before we do that, folks, let me tell you about BetOnline.ag, the other sponsor of today's episode of the show. And BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. The NFL season is ongoing, and all the action persists with you here at BetOnline.ag. You don't have to sit on the sidelines anymore as they have everything from every sport 
NHL, NFL, MLB, NBA, and all of your UFC and MMA action all in one place. That is betonline.ag. So I want you to head to the website or use your mobile device today to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus when you use promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Very thrilled to welcome in Tim Jenkins. He's the CEO and founder of Jenkins Elite. And I tell you what, if you've ever watched his film breakdowns on the quarterback position on defenses, you learn a lot. I mean, football knowledge is something that really is not passed along very easily. And Tim is willing to do it for free, 99. And we welcome in Tim Jenkins on today's episode of Lockdown Broncos. Tim, how you doing, my man? I'm pumped up. I'm pumped up. And I think the I think Broncos country should be too. Pretty good outing for both the guys on Saturday. Okay, well, that's the—I mean, really—that's the brunt of our conversation here today, because really the storylines all off-season have been quarterback this, quarterback that. The quarterback competition is really big. Before we get into what you saw against the Minnesota Vikings, Tim, the one thing I wanted to ask you is if we could go back, let's say three months before we got any preseason tape as to what's going on right now for both Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke, what were the biggest things you felt like they needed to work on before preseason action? Yeah, I always like to uh I always like to try to be as honest as possible because there's always, you know, a lot of shape shifters in the media. And frankly, I thought once I saw Teddy got signed, I was like Teddy's going to be the guy. The reason I and I said that a bunch. So, the reason I thought that was just because I felt like with how they were trying to build the team, right? Hey, from a defensive perspective, what they were looking for more was how the Jets won with Sanchez, right? Do you remember when he was like a rookie in a second year where it was like they were grinding out nine to six wins with Rex Ryan? That's oh, yeah. kind of where I felt like we were going. And listen, if, if you can make to the AFC title a bunch in a row, I don't think Broncos country would be too upset with that. So I, I just felt like that was kind of where they were going. Teddy, I think when you watch his film last year, I think you want to see him be more aggressive with the football. It's not that he doesn't take shots because he does. But I think with Teddy, it's got to be like an ultra premier look for him to take the shot. You want to get him to take that even against just a quality look. Because when you call a shot play, especially in the Broncos offense, you know, with the run action that they use, you really want to take it because we're only calling it, you know, four to six times a game. And you saw the Carolina game last year was a special one for Drew where he connected on all four, right? And people kind of lost their mind. But With the Broncos offense, you want to see him. So that's what I tell you. I I really wanted to see Teddy work. Drew, there were a litany of things, right, between his footwork, his pre-snap diagnosis with just two-shell, three-shell, kind of simple quick game things. Um, That's really what you wanted to see him grind all offseason on. And then when you kind of look at it, it it seems like he hit on some of those points in a a small sample size uh, with the in-game stuff. So that's kind of where I was at, you know, three months ago. I also, you know, just being transparent, I thought Teddy was going to – win the job and I thought it wouldn't be close and it looks like it might go the other way yeah and I think you bring up an interesting point with you know Teddy being willing to take shots at at some point but ultimately being more conservative I think the big fear for Denver Broncos fans is that is that we saw from you know whatever time Alex Smith came to the Kansas City Chiefs and Peyton Manning got to Denver how that can kind of limit your ceiling as a team so to speak so I think the higher upside upside play with Drew Locke and then obviously you know we saw him come out and and you had a great breakdown on your YouTube channel about the first preseason game and these two guys and what they brought to table and you kind of made it seem like you know a very decisive win for Drew Locke what specifically was it I know you mentioned in your breakdown we want to encourage anybody listening or watching this to go and check that out in full, but maybe kind of sum up, Tim, uh, why you think Drew Locke had such a decisive win in game one. I think what's interesting, this this is what stood out to me. So one, I, I did 
like a full grade on them because one, I feel like there was, there was a lot of misinformation going around about uh, just like, Hey, we want, if you're going against the twos and threes, are you really going to get that much out of it and all this? And I wanted to show like, Hey, here's how you actually get graded. It has nothing to do with who you're going against, right? Of, of the five categories you grade a quarterback on, maybe one being the throw would be impacted by going against a second and third stringer. So that's kind of something I wanted to address was a lot of people just, a lot of people don't even know what that sheet looks like. Right. So to me, I wanted to make that for the fans so they could see it helped me a lot because when I went through it and started like looking at stuff, I'm like, dude, so Drew graded out eight to eight on his decisions in the past game, which is a huge improvement for him. Teddy, who we all associate, you hear Teddy Bridgewater, you're like, man, veteran QB, smart, safe. He graded out six and nine on decisions. So I'm sitting there like, man, even my preconceived notions about him didn't check out when it came to the grade. So that's where for me, it's like, that's how it's a decisive win. Like, dude, do I love the KJ Hamler post? Of course I do, right? Everybody should. And anyone saying that that's an easy throw, like, that's, that's tough. That's a tough sell for me, man. There's pressure in every <laughs> single throw that you make as a quarterback, no matter what the level, no matter how open he is. So I, I wouldn't say it's an easy throw. I get what people are saying and that he was wide open, right? And it wasn't something you had to fit in. But to me, regardless of who's covering him, that's probably a completed ball. Maybe it's catch tackle, but it's probably completed. So I love that one, but it was really boiled down to the decision-making. And when you have a guy who goes eight for eight in the pass game, it's really tough to say he wasn't starting to run away with it comparatively to six and nine. So I think that's where Drew not only won, but it was a surprise for me when I looked at the final grade for both of them of saying, gosh, of the areas that I thought Drew could run away with this competition, it really wasn't that it was, I thought Teddy would mostly get the upper hand there. So that was nice to see. And, um, you know, Drew cleaned up a lot of footwork. There were a couple missed throws that, you know, that sale route to KJ Hamler has got to be better, right? That's just a throw that we can't miss. And uh, Teddy had a couple get away from him too. And, and those are things that I think both of them will clean up hopefully in week two. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing that against the Seattle Seahawks. Broncos head coach Vic Fangio mentioned, based on health, we were probably going to see more of the starters play this week against Seattle, which I think will be a great measuring tool, for, I think, for both of these guys. Not only that, just the offensive line. But you mentioned something previously, Tim, that I feel like a lot of Broncos and football fans in general don't understand the difference on. There's play action, and then there's run action. We saw a lot of run action with the Broncos last year. You touched on it. We saw it a little bit in the preseason game. Can you explain the difference between those two terms for Broncos fans? Yeah, so play action, uh, this is how we explain it to our quarterbacks. Play, uh, play action is, hey, the, the O-line's in pass pro, maybe like the tight end as well, but the line's in pass pro, and it's just the quarterback and the running back on the action. Why do you do that, right? You're trying to just freeze a linebacker. Think, if I want, if I want the linebacker or DB to have a slight hesitation, I'm leaning pass pro. It also gives me better protection, not as many run-throughs. So that's the pro and con, right? The, the pro is hey, we're not going to get as many run-throughs. The con is I'm only going to freeze guys, not really get a full commitment. Run action, we're pulling people. It's the exact run look. So the Broncos ran like 20 wham. I tweeted it out today down in the red zone on that touchdown from Drew Locke, which was like the most creative boot I've ever seen. So I was trying to give Shermer a lot of credit because people are sometimes pretty hard on that guy. But run action is, hey, we're getting a pull. We're influencing but you're going to get a lot of run-throughs. What I mean by that is like you're going to get a lot of D-linemen who just come free because it's not sound. But you're also going to, vice versa, get a lot of quarter safeties running the alley because they're like, God, i got to help seal this edge. And the next thing you know, K.J. Hamler's gone. 
So mm. that's where, you know, that's the difference between the two is play action and run action. The Broncos, they're the only team that I've seen consistently utilize run action. So they pull people on their boots. It's something that I think, like, I don't get how this hasn't then ran through the NFL. Like, to me, it's the coolest thing that they do offensively is run action in their boot game. It's also part of why Teddy and Drew get the edge so darn easy is because people are reacting to an actual run play versus trying to sell, like, outside zone, which a DN's going to just squeeze anyways, and then he's going to go attack the quarterback. Well, if you actually pull, they're trying to set a firm edge, and it's way harder than to redirect and get outside. So – uh, they do some really cool stuff, but yeah, that's the general difference for run action, play action for the fans watching at home. Well, I think that's awesome terminology to know. And Broncos country coming up here in just a moment, Tim, Sarah, myself, we're going to talk a little about a week ahead. What do these quarterbacks need to do to maybe further solidify themselves in the position? Could Vic Fangio make a decision at the end of this week? We're going to break that down. But before we do that, let me tell you about Bilt Bar, which is the sponsor of today's episode of the show. Built Bar, ladies and gentlemen, Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market here today. Peanut butter brownie has made its gracious return, which means I'm super excited. I ordered myself a box of Built Bar, and you can also order a box of 18, a mix pack. If you want to try all of the nine amazing delicious flavors, including the occasional limited time flavor, you can try it all and figure out what flavor is the one that you love the most. You or your family, and also a recommendation, put it in the fridge or freeze it for about an hour. Take a bite into it. It's still soft and easy to chew. The thing I love about Built Bar outside of the flavors is that it's covered in 100% chocolate and it's also healthy. I'm into a big time lifestyle regimen about being healthy, but sometimes I like the taste of something that's chocolate, Sarah. And the thing for me is I'll go through the, the bars that contain 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories and only four grams of sugar. That is a nice gamble that I'm willing to take when it comes to health and also a very good treat. And I want you to go to built.com today, get your hands in a box of built bar. And when you use promo code locked 15, you're going to get 15% off your next order. Once again, promo code locked 15 is going to get you 15% off your next order at built.com. All right, jumping into the fourth quarter action on today's episode, Lockdown Broncos, fortunate enough to be joined by Tim Jenkins. Tim, I'm still waiting, my man, for that hat and that shirt so I can rep it here on the podcast, my man. And you did put together a very successful camp, obviously, with a lot of high school athletes, youth, and just in general. You do a lot for the football community, whether you're you know, a young guy who's working on mechanics before he gets into high school uh, or versus you know, even collegiate athletes and even pro athletes. You do it all, man. So I just want to say, hey, thank you for your work. You're keeping the game alive. I got to get you. I know I got to get you a hat. I owe every I feel like I owe like 10 different people a hat. And I'm like, every time I do a gear release, they're like, hey, am I ever going to get that hat? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I got it this time, actually. So we got yeah, a new shipment. We got a new shipment of Under Armour stuff just came in and uh, we're getting it logoed. So who knows? Maybe you got a little package on the way. Ooh, I'm looking forward to it, man. <laughs> like I said, I always got to rep the brand, though, for sure. But, you know, hey, as we get into the fourth quarter action of today's episode of the show, you know, I, I think we look a lot as to what they did right, what Teddy did right, what Drew did right. What do you think is something that both these guys could do better in week two against the Seattle Seahawks here in the preseason? Yeah, so Drew, I mean, if I'm really nitpicking him, it's his fakes after – it's his straight drop-back fakes. So he did a really good job on his boot fakes, right? Hey, they're running, you know, that power, and then he boots out of there. Awesome. His straight drop-back stuff, to me, wasn't good enough. He was kind of lazy in it. And it's something that, you know, I think Peyton Manning did a heck of a job throughout his career of making it look the exact same. And if we know we're going to be a highly effective run-action team, our fakes have to be better. So that's what I tell you Drew's got to focus on. Teddy, it's his – the PSL reads, like we talked about, where it's two shell, we're going to read this side, three shell, we're going to read the other side. 
He struggled with that. Same exact struggles Drew had early in the 2020 campaign, right? Same exact looks, same exact plays he struggled with. You want to see him take the next step. You would also like to see an expedited learning curve from him considering he's a veteran QB. So that would be what I tell you the, the number one things I want to see both these guys improve in week two um, is definitely just the fakes for Drew and then the PSL stuff for Teddy. You know, I think too, Tim, we hear a lot about, you know, offensive coordinators really limiting what they show from the playbook and preseason action. How does that, you know, come into conflict with a quarterback competition, right? Because obviously you want to put these guys in the best position to succeed. So, and I don't know necessarily what we saw with Drew Locke out there this past week. I have no idea. Like you said, the the red zone play at the touchdown to Trinity Benson is a really creative design from Shermer. Yeah. So ultimately, you know, how how should the Broncos or how do NFL teams, I guess, kind of all encompassing amidst a quarterback battle, how do you kind of limit what you're showing teams, but at the same time, put these quarterbacks in position to succeed? I honestly, I, so the, the concept thing, I, I think is somewhat, I don't want to say it's a misnomer, but I do it like my meal at night, right? Like, okay, you're having, you're having steak and baked potatoes. The kids are jazzed. The wife is jazzed. Steak, right? Takes up this piece of my plate, potato. Then I got some veggies and I have a salad. When you're in the preseason, you're just running your steak. The stuff that's going to be in your meal week in and week out, right? It's going to be in my game plan all the time. That's just what you run. So your vegetables are, hey, the Raiders are an open team. Here's all the open concepts we put in, right? Your mashed potatoes or whatever, that's the run game that's specialized for the front that they're in. And then the salad is like, okay, what did we see last week's opponent utilize that worked well? Now let's install that too. So to me, it's like, yeah, it's a simple down version, but it's staples in your offense that you're going to carry week in and week out. That's what you're running. And that's what you want to evaluate them against because that's the stuff that, hey, you're going to run no matter if it's preseason game one or week 17. Now, yeah, you'd like to see how they adjust to a game plan, but you'd like to believe as an offensive coordinator, if they can execute the majority of what we're going to carry throughout the season, they can execute all this other flavor we're adding. And, you know, the flavor of it too is like, you know, I always talk about spicing it up hey, we're going to run Y marker against everybody, right? Which is, you know, the Y's on a deep hank. We have zipper in the slot and then we have a comeback. We're always going to run that. Okay, the Raiders, we're going to use F counter because we need to know if it's man zone. Whereas the Chiefs, we're going to spin it from two by two to three by one to force them to rotate their safeties, right? There's, su there's stuff that you do with each divisional opponent or opponent you have. But again, the concept is the same. So I think when you hear guys talking about it's vanilla, it's not really vanilla. It's just, hey, this is our base stuff. And your base stuff tends to not be matchup specific. The NFL is just so week in and week out matchup specific that people view what the guys ran as vanilla. And, and I, I really don't think it's that vanilla. I just think formationally they're, they're more stagnant and there's some other stuff. But you're still getting a great look at these guys in terms of how they can execute the offense. Well, the final thing I'll ask you here, Tim, and I thank you so much for taking time to join us. You know, the focus is so much on Teddy and Drew, rightfully so. It's going to be between those yeah. two guys, but I, I'm a big Brett Rippon fan. There's things about yeah. him that I like. Now, obviously, the sample size is a little different at the end of that game for the Minnesota Vikings for him. But what is something that you've noticed or that you like about Brett Rippon's game? Because a lot of the talk around Broncos country is that maybe he could potentially be the long-term backup in the organization. I mean, listen, I think that's a great I think it's a great long term projection in terms of who he could be. He could be like Kellen Clemens, right, where he is in the NFL for 12 years. Hey, he starts sporadically, but really, he's a great guy to have that, you know, you can turn to. Um, 
You know, when I evaluated his stuff, not this preseason, but last regular season when he got in there, I thought he made some big-time throws against pressure. I was actually really impressed. He obviously processes the game at a high level. Where he lacks, right, is that high-end ability. But let's be honest, I don't think it's that far behind where Teddy is. So to me, it's not like it's, uh, hey, this huge jump from Teddy to Brett. It's not like he's this whole step behind. He just doesn't have the game experience that Teddy does to where it would vault him into that competition. So, no, listen, I like Brett. I think he processes the game well. I think that high end of, hey, I could be a career kind of backup is probably as high end. But, listen, career backup is still top 0.002% people on planet Earth. So, to me, it's like we talk about it in a negative light. I think it's a, you know, whenever I see Chase Daniel run out there, I think to myself, (laughs) that is a guy – who I would love to have his life with how much golf he's played. But also it's like, you know, it's just great as an organization to have a guy like that. So I do think Brett can turn himself into that guy. Now what the Broncos decide to do with that, do we carry three QBs? Do we use that in another room? It's kind of an interesting dynamic that I think people have to sort through. Or, you know, does, does Drew play really well again? And then Teddy play well. So you stash Brett on the practice squad you get to week four, and then all of a sudden someone wants to trade for whoever's the backup, and then Brett gets elevated. I don't know how that plays out, but I do think um, I do think there's a lot of good stuff that would come from keeping Brett on the roster for the Broncos. I love it. Obviously, a lot of great stuff from Tim Jenkins, CEO and founder of Jenkins Elite, his YouTube channel. He does breakdowns on quarterbacks, and look, he's already done them on Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence is coming, and not to mention Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. So make sure after you watch this video, you go over to his channel. If you haven't done so already, subscribe to his channel, like the video, watch it, comment, and engage along. But we always welcome in Tim Jenkins. We look forward to bringing him on throughout the season to talk about the Broncos' quarterback performance on a week-to-week basis. Whoever it may be, we're going to get to that point. But I'm Cody Ward, joined alongside Sarah Benninger and Tim Jenkins. We'll see you next time for a brand-new episode live on Broncos. Is your wallet a little lighter than usual after the holiday season? Consider it money well spent because you deserve to live your best life, and the Chime Checking Account wants to help you live yours to the fullest. A little extra money goes a long way, which is why the Chime Checking Account has tons of benefits that millions of members love, like fee-free overdraft up to $200 for eligible members, no monthly fees, and access to over 60,000 easy-to-find and fee-free ATMs. You even get paid up to two days early with direct deposit, all while managing your money on the go, including sending and receiving money fee-free with friends that aren't even on Chime. Sign up for Chime today for you and your wallet. Get started at Chime.com slash Goals24. That's Chime.com slash Goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Access to direct deposits up to two days early depends on the timing of the submission of the payment file from the payer. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees may apply.